The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Woo! Well, hey there, guys. Greetings. Salutations. Welcome <laughs> back to the channel here for this installment of Open Mic. The show, of course, where the mic is open, the floor is yours. What do you guys want to talk about? That is what we are here to discuss today. And there's two different ways that you can send in a question or a topic for us to discuss an Open Mic. The first way is that if you're watching this show any of the other 23 hours of the day that we're not streaming live... Go ahead and use the tip link. That's at streamelements.com slash John Campia slash tip. You can use that anytime, 24-7. Or if you are watching live right now and welcome to joining us on this live stream, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature in the live chat and we will get to any question, topic, or comment that is appropriate to be used on our show. We'll get around to doing those. I'm, of course, John Campia. I'm joined in studio by Ray Ora. I, I don't know what that was. Uh, Jonathan Voiko's here. Hey, I'm sorry. With uh, very few sound <laughs> effects. And uh, you guys are here. Good to have you here. And uh, got a, a few things what we're going to talk about. A lot of stuff that you guys have already sent in. But I wanted to touch on this just quickly. So the WGA strikes over. Writers went back to work today. They still have to ratify it, but that's just a technicality. They're going to do that at the beginning of October. And it's such a gimme that that's going to happen, that the executive leadership of the WGA have instructed their members, you guys can go back to work. So back to work they went. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Off to work they go. So here we are. And then today on the John Capish Show podcast, we talked about the fact that reports coming out deadline that it looks like the Actors Union and the studios are going to start meeting again in the next couple of days, as early as next week. So that could be wrapped up soon, hopefully now that the WGA has a deal. So things could be getting back to work here pretty quick. And that leads us into the next problem of the strikes. But wait, John, the strikes are almost over. Like the WGA is done. Screen Actors Guild is going to be settled soon, hopefully. That, that means the end of the problems, right? Oh, no, no, no. No, my friends. There are still problems to deal with. Uh, as highlighted in this new article that came out today in Variety, that it very astutely put it this way. Back to work. Studios eyes post-strike plans to prioritize production on Stranger Things, Euphoria, House of the Dragon, and more. And what happens is in this article, they, they lay out a couple things. Number one, there's a number of projects, high-priority projects, for a lot of studios that are now kind of putting the uh, high-priority, let's fast-track this back into production sort of things. And they talk about obvious shows, Stranger Things, House of the Dragon. Superman legacy, you know, all that kind of stuff that they want to get really revving, really moving. Well, part of the reason that they want to get that all revving and all moving is because of this next problem that's come up. And that next problem's come up is this. Not only was nothing shooting in June, July, August, September, but think about this. There were things that were supposed to be shooting in June that stopped shooting. Well, that's great. But then, like, there's supposed to be stuff shooting in July. Well, that that couldn't start shooting. 
Then there's stuff supposed to start shooting at the end of July. That didn't start shooting. Then there's stuff that's supposed to start shooting the beginning of August. That didn't start shooting. Middle of August, end of August, didn't start shooting, didn't start shooting. Beginning of September, stuff was scheduled, planned, everything to start shooting, to go into production, to develop, whatever, didn't happen. So now what happens is this. We're in a position now. We're getting close to the end of September here, almost October. And not only do things that were, were already in production now need to get back into production, but what about those projects that were supposed to start shooting mid-June? Well, they got to start now too. And the beginning of July, they're supposed to start now too. Things that were supposed to start shooting at the beginning of August, they got to start now too. Everything, now you've got this logistical nightmare. They and made, Variety- They made a movie. It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Variety points this out when they say this, very astutely say this, the coming flood of production will create a logistical nightmare for production executives and everyone else involved. For one, finding sound stages, uh, soundstage space and locations to shoot will be a challenge. Some studio executives predict a brutal competition for top talent. As soon as the strikes are over, everybody's going to want to go after the same five directors and four stars, says one production chief. It becomes a supply and demand question. And whereas before the strike, the shooting schedule was staggered, everybody is going to be putting up a ton of movies and shows into production at exactly the same time. So, you know, there may have been actors who were doing things in June, that were supposed to be done, wrapped up, and they could start something, they'd plan, scheduled, start something in August or whatever, right? Now, there's going to be massive scheduling conflicts. People are going to have to buy out other people's deals. You're going to hear about a lot of people dropping out of projects because of, quote-unquote, scheduling conflicts. Except this time, it'll actually be real. 90% of the time, we hear somebody dropping out over scheduling conflicts. That's just a cover for something else went down. But this is actually going to be true. Scheduling conflicts are going to be a nightmare for this. Uh, now, that's why you're going to get these studios that are going to high prioritize and say, look, we're going to do what we need to do to make sure everybody we need there to get Stranger Things season five going. We're going to do, we're going to prioritize that. Anything we got to do to make sure House of the Dragon can come off, we're going to prioritize that. Superman legacy, that's going to get our priority. We will put resources into making sure that whatever scheduling conflicts get created, these things become protected. Favored nation status for these projects, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to see a lot of that, but man, it's it's going to be a nightmare. You know, we had something similar to this after the pandemic. Once Hollywood lifted the ban on anybody being in production, they go back to production. It's like, great, you had like a year and a half's worth of projects that all of a sudden wanted to get going right away. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how all this massive tangled balls of yarn get straightened out because it's it's going to be messy for a little while. And and by the way, the actor strike isn't even over yet. That's oh. that's the first thing that's got to happen is get the actor strike over with. And the longer it takes to get that done, the more and more messy and complicated this post strike reality is going to be. So it's going to be in everybody's best interest that these actors get this deal done as fast as they can. They they. They did announce that they're going to be meeting this week, or that's a rumor for SAG. Well, like we said earlier, Deadline reported, and we talked about it on the show earlier today, Deadline reported that their uh, SAG union rep said that they are that SAG is going to be meeting with the studios next week. Okay. So in the next coming days, they should be sitting down to meet again. 
Hopefully they do what the studios and the WGA did, which was like literally yeah. sat down for five straight days. Yeah, I don't, I don't want deal. none of this like, oh, well, they're not taking this seriously. We're leaving. Yeah, it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe they're not taking your demands seriously. Sit there anyway. Just sit down. Just look at each other if you have to. Give each other shoulder rubs. Makes makes things uncomfortable so everybody wants to get out of the room so you come to a deal. <laughs> baby oil, baby. Baby oil. I can feel it deep <laughs> down in my plums. <laughs> Donuts and baby oil. Just deal. make sure the negotiating rooms are filled with that stuff and maybe you can get a deal done. It worked for The Rock and uh, Vin Diesel, didn't it? Baby oil. I, yeah. I don't think, I still don't think they're talking. Oh. Uh, but uh, who knows? All right. Guys, that I mean, down. I mean. <laughs> Let's get on over and start taking your questions here, shall we, that you guys have sent in. So, Jonathan, what do we got? All right, Edwin's up first. Hey, guys, I know the answer to this question. We'll just move on. Uh, just kidding. Uh, might be obvious, but which one would you rather watch, Expendables 4 or Easter Sunday? I mean, Expendables 4 has explosions, at least. I, I don't know. I mean, those really are two of the worst movies in the last number uh, of I'll years. I'll go with Easter Sunday, if obviously. <sighs> it's shorter, probably. I I don't think Expendables was that long though, right? Expendables, oh, yeah. Expendables was only an hour. You know hour. what? I think I'd rather watch Expendables 4. Wow. Because you know what? Hearing cringy dialogue and watching some stupid stuff is one thing. There are few things that are as uncomfortable to watch than comedy that's not funny. Well, that's why She-Hulk <laughs> was so unbearable. But like watching <laughs> Joe Coy, who I think might be the funniest man in the world. Uh, I think he's the best stand-up comedian on tour right now. I think he's the best, which is why I was so excited to watch Easter Sunday. But it it is truly one of the worst movies ever seen. And what made it worse was it's all jokes that weren't funny. And it, there's something painful about hearing a, mm. a joke that doesn't work. So I think I'll go with Expendables 4. Oddly enough, I'll still go with Easter Sunday. Okay, fair enough. I might, I might get, I might get a little bit, you know, because like I heard some Filipinos did actually like it, so maybe. Well, I hope so. Maybe it'll hit different with me. Oh, who knows? All right, what's next? Just to follow up on WB, right? Sorry, I wasn't clear that WB loss uh, is the drop in projected revenue for the entire year, and is mostly due to postponing Dune Two. Right. So it's not a loss that revenue was pushed to 2024, but. People took that number out of context to prove the strike hurt WB. Well, I mean, I remember, like I, I said this the other day, when that number came out that said Warner Brothers has lost $500 million due to the strike, it's like, lost $500 million on what? What, what, what did they lose $500 million on? Uh, there's, there was nothing. I'm not, I'm not saying they won't lose $500 million, but what was there for them to lose $500 million on as a result of the strike? And so somebody suggested that Warner Brothers themselves put that out there to like this fake information to garner sympathy or something like mm -hmm. that, but they didn't lose $500 million. There's just nothing for them to lose $500 million Deferred on. Deferred revenue. Yeah, and and like the Dune 2 per, like postponement, sure, but that movie hadn't even happened yet. It yeah. wasn't even supposed to happen yet, Right. That movie wasn't supposed to come out till November, so it's not like they lost out on anything yet. Yep. And like you said, it's going to just be deferred revenue, so really, they lost nothing. So, all right, what's next? All right, who wins 2023 domestic box office uh, rights? So far, number one is Disney at $1.65 It has left uh, Creator, Marvel's Wish, 
five small films. Number two is Universal at 1.54 billion with Exorcist, Freddy, Trolls, Migration, two small films coming. And then number three would be WB at 1.12, Wonka, Aquaman 2, Color Purple, and one small film. With those films left, who wins the domestic box office by the end of the year? Disney. Yeah. I mean, Wish isn't going to be a billion dollar film, but it's going to make some it's going to make some coin. that's still up. Marvel's is not going to be a billion dollar film like the first one was, but it's going to make coin. Uh, the creator isn't going to make any money. <laughs> but with them already being in the lead and having Wish and Marvel's coming out, I think that's enough. It's not going to be universal. They're not going to catch up with Exorcist. No. Freddy's Trolls, Migration 2, blah, blah. Warner Brothers might give them a run for yeah, their money. Yeah, but the thing is they're already down by $500 million, yeah. right? So it's not going to surpass So it. Warner Brothers with uh, Aquaman 2, and what was the other one that they got? Uh, it was uh, Wonka. And Wonka. I mean, they'll make a push. But already being behind by five hundred million, yeah. And Disney's got the five hundred million lead, and they've got the Marvels, and they've got Wish. Uh, Wish. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to end up being Disney will win the box office this year. All right, what's next? Uh, Spubaka writes. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait uh-huh. a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is creator? How does how does Warner Brothers? Only have one point one two billion. If Barbie alone, yeah, made that's 1. what I was a little about. Because Barbie would have look into this for you while you guys. Because that doesn't make Barbie by itself has yeah. like one point four billion. So I'm not quite sure. And and Universal would have gotten one point three something billion just from Mario Brothers. Not to mention nine hundred million from uh, from Oppenheimer. Like it says. Box office performance. And Fast X. Is that for total a- gross of all movies from 2023? Oh, oh, oh they're, they're specifying that they're only talking about oh, domestic, domestic box office. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So then in that case, and I, then that $500 million lead that Disney has is, in, is even a bigger, is bigger than it right. looks since we're just talking domestic. So yeah, easily it'll be Disney uh, domestically. All right. Thanks for pointing that out, guys, in live chat. All right, what's Uh, next? Spubaka writes, Wish is stunning so far. New 2D aesthetic. Moana is re-releasing soon. Best best animated film ever. Fight me. Uh, It's still in the weekly Nielsen chart, by the way. Question, will Disney Plus's ad revenue be scalable to viewership? Well, it it depends on how many people sign up for Disney Plus's ad-supported tier. Last I heard, only like 16% of their total... uh, subscribers like we're talking regular subscribers only about 16 percent of them were signed up to the ad tier so that's one thing moana's wonderful it's nowhere near the best animated film ever made but it's wonderful i love that movie um i really did enjoy the they give us a preview of wish when we were at CinemaCon back in april and it looked really interesting chris pine is doing the uh voice of the of the main guy in it by the mm-hmm. way and uh, i thought it looked like a like a really good, true Disney kind of film. And hopefully it's good. We'll see. I haven't seen the new trailer that dropped today, though. So I'm going to watch that a little bit later. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. All right, what's next? Leon writes, Hi, John, you discussed the other day that it is rare for a film to not have a musical score. Air, awesome film, did not have a score. They only used 80 songs and sampled Hans Zimmer's Journey to the Line towards the end of the film. Oh, yeah. there. I mm-hmm. mean, we could sit here some and- Some of them and, do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there are definitely some. Yeah. But in the scope of like the 500 movies that are going to come out this year, less than 3% of them won't have any score. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there definitely are some of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like not to say that none of them exist. Certainly they do. But it's just a 
relatively small percentage of them compared to, to regular movie going. Because even if you don't notice a score, you could have something like Step Brothers and there might be a scene where they're going from point A to point B and there's just a subtle score, but you're yeah. not noticing it. And, and listen, a lot of times in movies, we don't notice the yeah. score, but it's, but it's most of the time it's there. All right, what's next? Edwin writes, hey guys, I'm back. I find it funny how all, out of all the DC movies that came out this year, Blue Beetle was the only one with no drama. Shazam had the rock blocking a cameo. The, rock. the fl- rock blocking uh, the Flash had Ezra. <laughs> the Flash did have Ezra. And Aquaman 2 has Amber and reshoots. Yeah, there was legitimately, not that I can think of, any drama surrounding uh, Blue Beetle. Other than the little incels who were like all upset that... Uh, who plays the uncle again? Who's the comedian? George Lopez. Yeah, George. They do the, the trailer where George Lopez goes, Batman's a fascist, right? And everybody got their little girly panties all twisted up and, their a-holes. And the funny thing is, in the trailer, it hit like that. But in the movie, it was just part of a whole sentence. When, and, and it's also a part of the character. Yeah. But here's the part that I kept trying to say to people. Well, number one, I always said Blue Beetle's going to bomb. It's going to bomb horribly, and it did. But I said... But that is the the DCEU that Zack Snyder initially set up. That is how they said in Batman versus Superman that some of the world looks at Batman. Because remember, Batman in that DCEU, he went really dark. Yeah, he was branding people and like, stuff. To the part that Superman thought he was a fascist. Yeah, exactly. Superman threatened to kill him. Superman literally went down to his car, ripped the roof off his car, and said, he said, you better quit because the bat is dead. I mean, Superman thought Batman was a fascist. Oh, oh, wait. But George Lopez said, Batman's a fascist, when Superman himself thought it too. And all of a sudden, like I said, their little pink girly panties got all twisted up their puckers, and they got all upset by it. It's like... Oh, guys, get a fucking life. Anyway, and but, Sholo's but character- other than that, there was no drama surrounding yeah, the movie. Yeah, and Sholo's character rolled his eyes at the comment. Mm-hmm. Like, he rolled his eyes at his yeah. uncle. Like, oh, God. You know? Anyway, all right, what's next? <sighs> Softies. Uh, Cody Hunt Films writes, I need some advice on public speaking. Uh, I'm giving a presentation demonstration to film students uh, at my alma mater Thursday. I'm crazy nervous, even though I'm just explaining my job and giving a lighting breakdown. I just don't want to feel like I'm reading a script. You know, there's an old joke uh, that's based on a truth. The old joke is this, uh, that the majority of Americans, when listing off their top fear, public speaking is ahead of death. Which the joke then goes, which means if someone's at a funeral, they'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. Um, it, listen, public speaking for a lot of people is very, very challenging. People have nightmares about it. People, and I, I just don't know. I don't really have any pointers. It's just something that for me, that comes very naturally. Like for me, um, I can be on stage at Comic-Con and like, I can be moderating a big panel at Comic-Con in in front of five or 6,000 people. And I am more comfortable doing that. Then when I step off the stage and there's like eight people waiting to talk to me, that gives me more anxiety because I'm socially awkward, right? So whereas everybody else would be totally comfortable with going up and talking to eight people, I'm completely socially introvert and it's very challenging for me, but standing on a stage is easy. So I don't really know that I have um, advice for doing it. Uh, What I would kind of say is maybe this. Focus on two or three people 
in your audience, whether your audience is 20 people, 60 people, 600 people. Focus on two or three people and mentally just talk to those two or three people, right? So what, what I would do is this. If, like, say you're in a medium-sized room and say you got uh, 75 people in it, pick three people, one that's there, one that's there, one that's there. And then don't stand still, move around a little bit. And as you look there, look there, then look there, then look back here, then look back there, then there. And just focus on two or three people and mentally tell yourself you're just speaking to these three people. It might help everybody else in the room to just kind of blur into the background. Uh, Again, I'm not the best at giving advice to that kind of stuff because to me, it just kind of comes a little bit more naturally as opposed to other things that everybody else can do more easily. But uh, yeah, good luck with that, man. I hope you have a good time doing it. Just breathe, man. And just breathe. Yeah, just don't forget to breathe. Yeah, don't lock your knees. You know, when you're standing and practice in front of a mirror that that helps me sometimes practice in front of a mirror in, in, as though you're looking at an audience and you'll get used to what you want to say. Um, and, and then I would also say, don't get too married to your script. You don't want it to be sound like you. So think of bullet points. So just make your, your instead of a script, like paragraphs, make it bullet points. And then you fill in the ideas because it's your career. It's what you're doing. You know it best. That's my advice. Oh, my advice too is sometimes it may not be professional, but admitting that you're nervous can sometimes help. Mm-hmm. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Just, just, just be straight up, be real. And then people will understand, you know, you'll, you'll feel a little All bit right. more loose. Let's get going here. Connor What's Lauren writes, crit. Question for Chris, but Chris is never all. here for all, except for on Fridays. But yeah, Chris, but o- Chris is not here for open mics. But open to all, he says. Uh, I watched in a world, in a world, yeah, with Lake Bell last week and loved it. I was wondering if the real world voiceover industry has any resemblance uh, to what's in the film. Also, any movies similar to what y'all would suggest? I think she has said that is pretty similar. I first of all, I love Lake Bell. I love Lake Bell. Um, she would be. Definitely on my celebrity crush list. I, I don't know. I, I, there's something about her. She's got, she did a little comedy with Jason uh, Sudeikis a number of years ago called A Good Old Fashioned Orgy, which was just, she's hilarious in it. But in a world, which I believe she also directed, I think like Bell, can you look that up, Ray? I yeah. think, I think like Bell also directed that movie, but it's a wonderful little film uh, for a profession that's really kind of gone, right? Like we very rarely today, and we talk about this in my movie, movie trailers, a love story, a documentary I did about movie trailers. But we covered in that uh, documentary that there was an age where every movie trailer had the Don LaFontaine voice of God kind of thing in a world where blah, blah, blah. Or he was just a regular, you know, lawyer. She was a blah, blah, blah. When they came together, like you get those talkovers. I, I can't remember the last time I heard that in a movie Jim trailer. Carrey is a carrot. <laughs> Rob Schneider is a carrot. Um, I, yeah, she did direct it. I, she did direct yeah. it. Okay. It's been a while, but how similar that world is to the voice of animation voiceover. Yeah, that's unfortunately something Chris could answer. All right, what's next? Uh, we've got Edwin who writes, hey guys, final question. Um, James Gunn confirmed that John Cena, Sholo, uh, Mata Duena, and Viola Davis, Viola Davis will return to the DCU. He also said so nothing is canon until Creature Commandos and Superman Legacy. Um, or it's actually just Superman. Uh, I forget what the name of it is, right? No, he did say Creature Commandos. Yeah. Uh, I'm very happy Sholo is staying, but what do you guys think? Bring on the filthy. Um, did he actually look, I, I read an article. Can you bring up that question again? Yeah. I read an article. I did not notice him saying that, uh, Sholo was staying necessarily. 
I know he's confirmed that John Cena will be around. I know he's confirmed that Viola Davis will be around. Um, I don't remember him saying Sholo. I'm, again, I'm not. I'm not saying he did. Forty-three Was, minutes ago. Oh, 43 minutes ago. Uh, CBR, uh, so Hollywood Reporter, three stars who will continue their roles in the new DCU. And Sholo's one of them. Yep. Well, see, that makes sense because, remember, but, 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 and we're going to talk about this on the John Campy Show tomorrow. James Gunn also clarified that just because they played a character before does not mean that that's canon um, to what's going to happen here. So... The peacemaker we see John Cena playing in the new DCU does not mean that all the events of the Peacemaker show or of the Suicide Squad movie that Peacemaker is in are canon to the new DCU. It's kind of like when um, Nick Cage played Ghost Rider in the sequel. It was technically a reboot. Even though they still use Nicolas Cage in the role, it was technically a reboot. That's kind of what's happening here. So the Viola Davis... uh, Waller and the John Cena peacemaker, they're not actually, they're going to be playing the roles again, but it's not actually going to be the exact same peacemaker or Waller or Blue Beetle. Uh, That's going to be in that. So the events of Blue Beetle are not going to be continued in the new DCU. He might have a completely new uh, origin story. They might do something completely different, but that would go along with what James Gunn said on the Michael Rosenbaum inside of you podcast when he said, Blue Beetle is our first character that's going to be in the DCU, but the first real movie is going to be Superman Legacy, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, we'll see how that all uh, kind of pans out. Again, we're going to talk more about this on the John Caper Show tomorrow. All right, what's next? Okay, so we're moving on to supers here. Um, Let's see, let me scroll down. I don't know why this has been bumping up on me lately. Um, Oh, it always would do that to me. Baby Boy writes, hey, everyone. Uh, John, I love when you explain the subjectivity of how films are. With that being said, were you really going to break up with Anne if she didn't like the original Star Wars trilogy? Maybe. No, no, look, you got to understand that when that happened, we were very early in our relationship. Like, if we were here today, married for 13 years, and I found out today she had never watched Star Wars, would I end my marriage over that? No. (laughs) But, like, two months into dating a girl... Maybe because <laughs> Star Wars is just that important to me. And anybody who's going to spend a future with me, Star Wars is going to be a part of it. There's going to be Star Wars art on the wall. There's going to be, you know, pets named after Star Wars. There's going to be Star Wars on the TV a lot. And I, I just don't know if at the time I could have pictured being with somebody who couldn't at least be okay with Star Wars, right? They don't have to be a big Star Wars fan like me, but you had to at least been okay with Star Wars. And that early in the relationship, I don't know, might have uh, might have ended things. But listen, I'll tell you what right now. If in that same conversation, Anne brought up, do you like dachshunds? And I said, no, I hate dachshunds. She would have dumped my ass the next day. So so don't judge me too harshly. Say that right now. We'll see what happens. I think she probably would still leave me 13 <laughs> years into the marriage. She'd probably pack up her things and go. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Connor Dorian writes, Miramax is selling the rights to the Halloween franchise for future movie and TV projects. Should have done that a while ago. <laughs> I, I just don't know what happened. They drove that into the ground. It's the last one, right? Really killed it. It's Halloween, the last two. Halloween end, or, the last two. Halloween ends and whatever the name of the second the first, one was. The like first it. one was 2018, and it was great. Yeah, and then they just said, hey. 
Like I have never liked, I, I listen, I'm unpopular for this opinion. I don't even like the, I don't even think the original Halloween movie is all that good. I think it totally gets overpraised, but, but whatever, no, no shade on anybody who does enjoy it and loves it. And that's great. That's fine. But that's just to highlight the point when the 2018 one came out, I wasn't expecting anything of it, but I thought the trailers looked good. Okay. I'll give it a shot. And I loved that Halloween movie. That, like it totally shocked me, surprised me. I absolutely loved it. And so I was very excited about the second one and it was shit. And then I thought, well, maybe they learned their lesson and they'll make the third one good. Oh, wait, it's going to be day and date on Peacock again. It's probably going to be crap. And oh my God, it was crap. Totally discarded Mike Myers. I mean, like it was just awful. So yeah, it just a few years ago, it looked like Halloween had a bright future with Miramax. And then they just totally drove it into the ground. So I, I don't know who's going to try to make another Halloween anytime soon, but it's they've got a lot of work to do. All right, what's next? Suthius writes, uh, I'm all for my fellow Asian brothers and sisters being in high-ranking positions, but fudge this Senator Ziono guy. Go take a nap somewhere. <laughs> uh, again, we, we don't uh, talk about Ahsoka here. Uh, so yeah, I figured he was out. All right, what's next? <laughs> uh, Jamie Sundays writes, how do you stop a dame and... Giannis pick and roll. How do you stop a Dame? Oh yeah. So, oh, they, they, it, oh, oh, yeah. Damian Lillard got traded to the oh, Milwaukee wow. Bucks. He's on the Bucks now. Yep. In a three-way trade, uh, Damian Lillard's on the Bucks. Okay. Uh, well, hey, Boston Celtics. It was a nice run, kind of being uh, one of the top guys in the East, but the East is spoken for now. <laughs> I yeah, mean, Damian Lillard. Leave. With a Giannis who is still very much in his peak prime, you can't right leave now. Damian Lillard open either. So you got to go, you got to cover the, jeez, man. Uh, no, a, that that team was tough. scary without Damian Lillard. That's tough. And like, and this isn't like a Russell Westbrook situation where you had kind of a broken player who who was just kind of a shadow of what he used to be moving around. Damian Lillard is still very, very much the guy. That's tough. And that they're going to be a, I'll tell you what, the Bucs are going to be a very fun team to watch. They're going to be a very fun team to watch. <laughs> wow. Not a fun team to play against, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. All right, what's next? We got Nexus Fuel. Uh, hey, John and crew, very excited for Saw X this Friday and was wondering, in your guys' opinions, what is your favorite trap of the series? Personally, for me, it's the cycle trap from Jigsaw. I'm not a big enough fan to even remember the various traps. I mean, I, honestly, I'll, I'll be straight. I, I think there's only one good one, and that was the first one. Um, I know a lot of people like the second one and stuff like that, but honestly, after the first one, the rest of them are all just blurred. I couldn't tell you which events happened in the third one, which events happened in the fourth one, which events happened in the second one. I just couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I, it, it's a franchise that I honestly don't know how it's a franchise. Again, I like the first movie very much. I like the conceit of the movie. The premise is great. I I just don't even know how that mo that thing's a franchise. It should have been a one-and-done thing. They should be rebooting Saw right now. What it is, just the same thing with, like, Final Destination. It was like, let's 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 think of all the ways yeah. I was gonna to say do Final something, right? Too. Final Destination, like, everyone has that airplane uh, scare, you know, yeah. fear. Everyone has that roller coaster fear. No one likes to admit it. Saw does the same thing, but more in like a torture. <laughs> yeah, very much you in know? a torture kind of way. Yeah. But 
I hope it does well. All right, guys, listen, we got a lot more questions to get to, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode. The makers of the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn in my life, Vessi, and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Vessi. Now, like me, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of Vessi, the shoe that claims to be incredibly comfortable and waterproof on top of that. Well, these claims are really interesting to me because as a Canadian who walked around in a lot of snow and as somebody who likes to go camping and hiking with his wife on the weekends, there's nothing more uncomfortable and horrible than walking around in wet feet. So after receiving my first pair of Vessis and noticing how incredibly good looking the shoes are and how mind-boggling comfortable and flexible they are, the first thing I did was I took them into the backyard to put it to the supreme waterproof test and dipped my feet in my pool. Guys, my feet were bone dry. And like 20 seconds after having them in the pool and I touched them, the shoes themselves were also bone dry. Guys, seriously, these shoes are stupidly comfortable. They look great and they absolutely lived up to the claim of being waterproof and keeping my feet dry. I absolutely love my Vessi shoes. So guys, if you want shoes that are good looking, are ridiculously comfortable and on top of all that waterproof, you need to head to Vessi.com slash Campia and get yourselves a pair today. Go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get shoes for your best summer yet. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video. Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at vessi and mint mobile for sponsoring this episode all right guys with that down let's get back to your questions here shall we jonathan what we got up next this is the inverse of what we had in the member chats boy after fast x meg two and expendables it hasn't been a good year for jason statham well here's the funny thing i i was just looking this up earlier for i don't for whatever reason Meg 2 actually ended up making way more money than it deserved. Uh, it, it only made like 80-something million domestically, but it made almost $400 million worldwide, which means, I mean, it made significantly, like, look, go back a year and tell me, hey, Meg 2 is going to make more money than The Flash. I, what? You're crazy. It made more money than The Flash. I, so not a huge block, box office blockbuster or anything, but... That movie made almost 400 million bucks. Look, one way you can look at it is Jason Statham's had a very good year. Yeah, his bank account internationally. Whatever those no, his, movies his made at the box office is irrelevant. He made millions of dollars doing those movies. No, I mean. So, I mean, hey, that's a pretty good year for Jason Statham. He got to bank it. He's here. Yeah. No, I mean. No, I mean. <laughs> the Germans. All right. What's, 
What's next? It's Fang just stopped. <laughs> Fang Blaze writes, ever play the Guardians of the Galaxy game? It was surprisingly good and with a quite good story. Ray, did you ever play that? Um, no, but the soundtrack I heard was killer on that. I know my roommate played it, but it, it looked like a fun game. It's just, I don't. What was it on? Uh, everything. Was I it? Think it was placed, yeah. Yeah, it was play, yeah, it was console. And, it mm-hmm. was on Game Pass for a little while, too. Um, I just, you know, single-player games I don't really stick with too often. It's just funny because I'll only play single-player yeah. player games. <laughs> it's just funny. All right, what's next? Richard K. writes, with the WWE-UFC merger into TKO, do you think we will now get more UFC stars, i.e. Um, Nagano? Is that Nagano? Uh, Cormier, uh, McGregor, and so following the likes of Ken Shamrock, uh, Dan Severn, and uh, Ronda Rousey into the squared circle? I don't think so. I mean, look, we will still see some. That has been the the pattern for a while. Uh, Brock Lesnar was one of the few guys to do it the other way around. He went to professional wrestling first and then became world heavyweight champion in the UFC. I don't think we're going to see anybody do that again. I don't think you're going to ever again, we're ever going to see somebody start in WWE and then actually become a champion in UFC. That's, that's never going to happen again. Brock Lesnar was the first and the only one never going to happen again. Um, so no, I don't, I don't really think so. But again, it's kind of become a thing like with Ken Shamrock, it's happened. Ronda Rousey, it's happened. I think you get a guy like Conor McGregor, who is a larger than life personality type. I think if he wants to do that, they'll figure out a way for him to do it. But I don't think you're going to see like some uh, some tap has now been open and there's going to be this gush of like all these WWE superstars are going to WWE or uh, UFC superstars that will go into WWE. I don't I don't think so. But who knows? Let's see what happens. All right. What's next? Uh, Oceans 13 going on 30, right? Saw the creator visually beautiful, but it's way too familiar and about 20 minutes too long. The pacing drags. Some story beats feel rushed. Okay, not great. Well, I mean, look, all I can know is that the vast majority of critics that I have read are calling it like one of the great sci-fi films. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know me, I wasn't all that thrilled with the previews of it, but the last trailer looked pretty good and it got me on board. So we're going to go see that tomorrow night. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Like there's a couple of people, not just normal critics, but people I actually personally know who are like, just were gobsmacked by it, like absolutely loved it. So I'm, I'm curious to see how well it turns out. All right, what's next? Uh, Richard K. writes, being a massive gamer, I want to see a Mass Effect movie or TV show. It's the greatest game trilogy ever made, in my opinion. It could be like a, uh, like a Star Wars or, yeah, I guess Star Wars, Star Trek mix, if done right. Your thoughts? I don't agree. Um I think it's good. I I have a actually a, you know our friend Dennis Zen. He loves those games. Loves, 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 loves those games. Um, I I don't think the the groundwork is there though to be like the next Star Wars or something like that personally. Uh, but you know one one never knows. I mean, listen, the craziest stuff has come out of nowhere to suddenly be really super successful. But um, yeah, I I don't personally see it. But who knows? Maybe somebody will roll the dice on it and it will turn into the next big avatar or something like that who knows you know i'm down for that because it's going to be in space and there was also his sidekick i forgot the name it was a the gray it was a big dude that was like a sort of like a monster thing i i don't know but i like controlling him or telling him to do stuff um it's going to be like oblivion remember tom cruise's oblivion movie Mm mm-hmm I actually like I actually kind of like that movie but like you know that's the way I would see Mass Effect going like with the sort of like space in a different planet 
exploration. There's a lot of games like that, though. Yeah, no, but I meant movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, what's next? We got Richard K's back over under 40% that we get an announcement on who the new James Bond is and release date for a new movie at CinemaCon next year. So it's like next April. Yeah, CinemaCon is, is not the place where they make... Uh, look, CinemaCon is different from something like, say, Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. You know? CinemaCon, now, yes. At CinemaCon, they walked out Bad Bunny and announced that Bad Bunny was going to be El Muerto. Okay. That happened, but that was very, very rare. They don't normally make those kinds of announcements at CinemaCon. What CinemaCon is, is movies and projects we already know about, and then they show us the stuff, like sometimes six months, sometimes a year in advance, and they show us a ton of stuff, and they bring out the stars, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really, like Comic-Con's more of a place for announcements, whereas CinemaCon is about for the theater owners because that's who CinemaCon is for is for the movie theater owners and showing off to them all the product that the studios are about to deliver to the theaters that year so it's a little bit of a different thing so um i'd say zero percent chance that they announce who the new james bond is at CinemaCon. i don't think that's going to happen yep now could we have the announcement of who the name new james bond is by the time the next CinemaCon comes around Already is October, November, December, January, February, March, April. We're six or seven months away. Yeah, I think we will know who the new James Bond is by the time we go to CinemaCon next year. All right, what's next? Taylor Hayward writes, chances of a Lethal Weapon 5. Well, listen, they said for a long time they were going to do it. Um, Just up till about a year and a half ago, they said, yep, we're going to do a Lethal Weapon 5. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because then the guy who was going to direct it passed away. Um. I just don't, I think you, you are, we're in a place right now where you can have Mel Gibson be in a movie, like say one of the Expendables movies, right? I don't know that you can make a movie starring Mel Gibson mm-hmm. today. That, whether that's fair or unfair, I don't think you can do that today. So, and I think Indiana Jones and the- um, Dial of Destiny. The Dial of Destiny just showed that franchise that had its last installment like 20 years ago is something you should probably just leave alone. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I think that's that's what will happen there. So, uh, look, would I be interested in a Lethal Weapon 5? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Uh, I'd be interested in it. But do I think there's any chance it actually happens? I don't think there is. But who knows? Stranger things have happened. Maybe they could put in the other Donald Glover. Or not Donald. I mean, <laughs> you Glover. Of, yeah, you yeah, it, it's, yeah. Maybe it should start... Uh, so rebooting it. Yeah, rebooting yeah. it. Him and Channing Tatum, the new lethal weapon. There you go. I'm Wait a minute. I think Ray might have just stumbled on Channing something. Tatum and Donald, <laughs> Donald Glover, Glover in a lethal weapon <laughs> reboot. I'm down. I it's think only that's because I always think of 21 Jump Street, how the, the two of them did, like yep. uh, playing Jonah that Hill and buddy cop yeah. sort of thing. You know, that's why. The only problem is, Donald, like, even in the first lethal weapon, uh, Danny Glover's like, I'm too old for this. Shit. Oh, it's yeah. like he's ancient. I, I don't for know this you now. do that with Dan, uh, with uh, Donald Glover. I'm but too young for this. I'm too young for this shit. Yeah, you can change the lineup. <laughs> I, I'd be down. Like elderly people, elderly criminals. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, they kind of stake out like a, a elderly care facility. Uh, Rampage, Predacon, Rice, Canelo or Charlo uh, Saturday. Who you guys got? Oh boy, I got Who Canelo because it sounds like cannoli, and I love cannoli. Don't say it, John. Boxing is just poor man's UFC. Don't say it. 
Let me answer this, please. Okay. Without your Ray is the boxing without guy. Without your in the room. dirt, please. Okay. Um, I want Charlo <laughs> to win. To be honest, I love Canelo, but I think it's time. I think the last fight. It, no matter what he says, everyone says they're in the greatest shape of their career when they get older. Every right? time, every oh, fight. Oh, my best camp, yeah. this and that. I just saw things in his last fight where I think it's time to go on. He's made his money, enjoy his kid, enjoy his wife, but it would be great if he, he won too, but I think Charlo will take this one. Do you know that the fight that finally made me just give up on boxing was the first fight between Canelo and... Uh, uh, Gennady Golovkin. G- yeah, triple G. yeah, Triple, triple G. G. That first fight, like, I watched it. Yeah. That was not a draw. Yeah, that was not a draw. And I watched that, and I'm like, this is fixed. This is definitely yeah. fixed. Yep. And I've just seen too many boxing matches. Now, look, even in UFC, sometimes judges do something that I find a bit confusing, sure, but like that was clearly fixed and it was, and I'd seen so many examples of that and just, they make it too easy for boxes to dodge uh, boxers to dodge other boxers and stuff like that. But it was that Canelo fight. Cause I remember we went out Ann and I went into LA, we went to this bar, big bar to watch the fight and stuff like that. And when it was over, uh, we were, we were hanging out with Dorena actually. I mean, Ann went out with Dorena and her Mm -hmm. husband and, that fight ended, and I just remembered something in me broke. I was like, "I'm never watching boxing again. This is this is such a waste." And it was a Canelo. Not that not, I'm not ditch. I'm not bagging on Canelo. I'm just saying it was that fight because it wasn't Canelo's fault. I, that made me give up you, on the sport. Because you know what would have happened if they really gave it to Triple G? What would have happened would be the rematch in that, in which Canelo for sure beat him in the rematch and the third match. So Canelo would have had the upper end. Anyway, I'm not so sure Canelo won the the second fight. He clearly won the third. Yeah, clearly what, but I mean, it was that, but that's fine. Like it can be close and I can go, yeah, I would have given it to the other guy, but I can see why right. they, but that first one though, that, that oh, was yeah, ridiculous. That, one, yeah. that was just ridiculous. Uh, All right. What's next? Mr. Noon writes thoughts on a uh, live action Zelda movie or Kirby animated movie. I've uh, been watching since AMC days and you guys have helped me through some hard times. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Mr. Noon. Um, Kirby movie. I don't think anybody cares about a Kirby movie, to be honest with you. I 100% believe that a Zelda movie should be Nintendo's next move. And I really believe it should be live action. Me too. I think 90% of any game that Nintendo would want to turn into a movie would need to be animated. But a Legend of Zelda, a Link movie, live action in a kind of Lord of the Rings style. Expensive. Super expensive. (laughs) It's going to be really expensive. Other than Mario, it's the only property Nintendo has that I think could be very financially lucrative. Now, it's not going to make 1.3, 1.4 like Mario Brothers did, but I think it can make $900 million or a $1 billion. Now, what they will prob- just to be clear, they will probably do it as an animated movie, but I think they 100% should do it as live action. Uh, look, it's not doing like a Five Nights at Freddy looking thing, but if you think about Star Fox, if they did that live action with like, like a fox, like manning a like a tie fighter sort of plane, like with his group, that would be kind of cool too. It won't make money, but yo, know, yeah, it would be cool. I mean, there's lots but, of games we can name that would be cool if they did it as a movie, but nobody would see it. I don't think anybody would see a Star Fox. Yeah, the problem is the thin line. You 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 have a really thin line with uh, doing like furry characters, like you know, piloting like Sonic? planes, and it not be funny. Like, just like a joke. Sure. I want it to be real serious. Like, the fox is actually, you know, 
more human than a animal. I don't know. Talk to me, goose. <laughs> All right, what's next? Yeah, it's a goose. Uh, John it's Red- a real, it's a literal <laughs> goose. Yeah, it's like Affleck. <laughs> John Redcorn writes: It's wild to see how fans turned on Taika after Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, which I hated. It's like they forgot about Jojo Rabbit. Why would he want to do another one? It's like they forgot about uh, Ragnarok. You know, it, listen to me. The- Back, baby. <laughs> oh God, no! It's like the loudest people, and everyone has to feel guilty because the loudest people keep saying shit. I, I can't. The stupidity of some people never ceases to amaze me. Like it, and 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 it is just that. Like you could have a filmmaker, and it's not just Taika Waititi. You could have a filmmaker who crushes like five things in a row, and then listen. Everybody has a bad day at the office. Steven Spielberg made the Terminal. He's still the greatest filmmaker of all time. But <laughs> you, you can say that all you want, but to some people, that's the greatest movie. Okay, some that's people, fine, that's fine. Some I'm people, saying, I don't I'm know who. Saying. So then something comes along that they do, and okay, that, that one d- didn't work. Making a good movie is really hard. And all of a sudden, oh, like you want to be able to gauge really <laughs> low intelligence people. Oh, keep them away from anything. Oh, they suck. Oh, it's like, you do know that, like they, these would be the same idiots who like, if they what if they were able to go back in time and go to just the wrong Michael Jordan while playing on the Chicago Bulls game where he scored 14 and put up a couple of air balls, go, oh, he's the worst. He just sucks. How'd he get a shoe deal? Dude won like five NBA rings, dude. It doesn't matter. The last thing I saw him do, he threw an air ball up. He sucks. That's what these people are. Taika Watiti is simply one of the most gifted storytellers in Hollywood. Period and stop. He just is. Did I love Thor? Love and Thunder? No, I did not. Okay, he that was his bad day at the office. This is still the guy who made that laundry list of inventive, original, edge-pushing, amazing stuff. Won a freaking Academy Award for Jojo Rabbit. He's made some of the best stuff, and let, he still has directed, I believe, the single greatest episode of Star Wars, mm-hmm. stuff, at least outside of Andor with the stuff that he did in Mandalorian, his directed stuff. And that was the best stuff that they've done. He's incredible. Okay. He did one subpar movie. All right. But Jen, and, and by the way, Taika Waititi is not the only one. We've seen so many filmmakers and so many actors where it's like, they have this great, really legitimate resume. That's awesome. And then they do something that's not so good. And all of a sudden you get these fucking idiots. Who's like, Oh, keep them away from, my franchise, oh, that, that guy should never be allowed to do anything again and blah, blah. It's like, you are a fucking moron. Yeah, it's it is one of the dumbest things that I see fans do sometimes. Like, you know, look, it's different if it's somebody that never liked Taiko Atiti, right? Like, you watch Jojo Rabbit and you thought it was terrible. That's, hey, film subjective, that's fine. And then you watch What We Do in the Shadows and you thought that was terrible. And you thought, uh, I, I keep- The Wilder People, the Wilder people. I almost I always want to say Wilder Beasts. Yeah, yeah. But Wilder Beasts, which by the way, Wilder People is wonderful. But hey, if you watch it and you thought he sucked and then you saw Love and Thunder and thought that sucked too. <laughs> what are you even doing watching it? That's, yeah. Then that's totally understandable that you would go, hey, I hate Taika Waititi, I don't want to ever want him to do anything. But if you're one of the vast majority of people who understand that everything he did prior to that was brilliant and then did this one thing, I just, dude, I fear, I sometimes, some of these people just make me fear the world that we're leaving to our children. Like, that's how stupid some of these people are. But you know what's crazy? It drives me nuts. The same argument, it's like, okay, why don't we see people say that about 
Ant the Ant Man, the latest Ant Man movie. Quantum Mania. Why are people like keep that man away from any movies? Well, they do. They they do. I've seen a lot of people like, but not as Peyton, loud as Taika. Not not well because Peyton Reed's name isn't as popular. As Taika, That's what right? I mean. It's but like, when when Peyton Reed's name does come up, I've seen it. I've seen the comments go, "Oh, keep him away from anything." Like, look, I think Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania sucked, but I know Peyton Reed's a great filmmaker. Yeah, he had a bad day at the office. Everybody does. We also don't know what the studio was mandating. Oh, dude, listen, I still. Remember, like, did I love Tenet? No, I did not love Tenet. But I still remember, and I just wanted to slap my head every time. Like, in the months that followed Tenet, the, the whole conversation of Christopher Nolan's overrated. Christopher Nolan's over. He can't actually do it. Oh, I saw Tenet. It's not Christopher Nolan's overrated. It's mm -hmm. like, guys, I agree. Tenet was not up to par, but I thought are you serious? <laughs> you think Christopher Nolan's oh, really Really? Have you ever watched a movie? Anyway, it's just... It's, and sometimes uh, it's like, what have you done for me lately? It's a very it, much the mentality. Yeah, yeah. And they forget about everything else. And again, I say that as somebody who freaking hated Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania and who agrees that Love and Thunder was Taika Waititi's bad day at the office. But guys, did you give up on Michael Jordan when he threw up an air ball? No, it was a bad game. All right. He's still the greatest of all time. I know. Anyway... What's next? Well, Martin Isaac has something to say. Hey, John, did you know that Stanley Kubrick uh, almost made his own version of Napoleon? Yeah. Sad that it was never made. At least Ridley Scott is doing it. The, actually, there's a, there's a really neat article. I'm trying to remember if it was the New York Post that did it or the New York Times wanted to. But anyway, I uh, did this article a while ago on all the projects that Kubrick had planned on doing at some point or another and for whatever reason never happened. Look. When you get a guy who's one of the most, I don't personally put Stanley Kubrick like on the Mount Rushmore directors personally, but he is one of the great visionary filmmakers of all time. And it, for any movie that he had thought about doing, it's a shame it never happened. A hundred percent. But yeah, that Napoleon one that's, is one that's gotten a lot of press. I'm very, very, very excited to see Ridley Scott's version of it though. All right, what's next? Nexus Fuel is back. Uh, recently walked into a spirit Halloween and love the amount of killer clowns from outer space rep there is now. Hurts my soul that a sequel will most likely never happen after the Fox buyout. I'm not going to lie to you. As iconic as killer clowns from outer space is, man, I, I, I'm, I'm okay living in a world where a sequel doesn't get made. I'm okay with that. It's, it's <laughs> all right. But speaking of Halloween, I don't know anybody that loves Halloween more than my wife, your <laughs> sister, Anne loves Halloween for the last week and a half. Every day I come home, there's new Amazon packages sitting at the door and it's all for various costumes. And Anne does not plan one costume for Halloween. She plans multiple costumes. I got to tell you the best one she's got though. She's doing Mantis from guardians of the galaxy oh, nice. holiday special. She's even got Drax's funny little man, the, the blow of green Christmas elf. She's got the full outfit that she wears makeup, the antenna, the whole bit. It looks great. But every year, Ann and I plan on doing a couple costume as well. And did I already say what our couple's costume yeah, is this uh, year? Kelsey's, right? Yep. We're, we're both, we're going to go out as the Kelsey brothers. I'm going to be Jason Kelsey with the beard and everything. She's going to be Travis Kelsey with, with a scalp cap, a mustache, and a blow-up blonde doll with can, the word Taylor say, on it. I was going to say, can, can Ray be Taylor? Can Ravy Taylor Swift, but she's she's got a blow up uh, blonde doll with the word Taylor on it, so nice. that's gonna be great. What's next? 
Rampage Predacon asks, are the Chris Pine Star Trek films multiverse films? They are alternate timeline films because of the time travel issue in the first one. They're not really like they, it was just a, a different. Yeah. Like when JJ Abrams was doing it, it was not meant to be in canonical timeline with the original Star Trek series. So it's like, it was its own thing today. We call that multiverse but it was never meant to be so. It was just, no, this is just my new iteration of Star Trek. I'll call it the Kelvin timeline or whatever you want. They do that. But I don't think it was ever envisioned as being like multiverse or anything. Like that. That's just a name that we've been giving stuff like that lately, but I don't think it is. All right, what's next? Uh, Guzman writes, buy or sell a year when the Leafs reach the Stanley Cup final, but the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I think you take the Leafs winning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Leafs look really good this year. Oh, I, I like the moves they made off in the offseason, the season. There's actually a pregame. I think the Leafs are playing the Sabres tonight in a pregame. I don't care about preseason in any sport. But uh, the season gets started here soon. I bought my NF, my NHL package. I'm going to watch every fucking hockey game this year. I'm so excited. Uh, but yeah, go Leafs, go. All right, what's next? Connor Dorian writes, Netflix released a trailer for the upcoming Tomb Raider anime series yep. being released next year. I didn't know about that. Oh, I didn't know. No, no, I remember that. I remember we talked about that a while ago. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm not interested in it. But I will I will definitely check out the trailer and it can win my interest. But I, I'm i actually really kind of despondent that they that the most recent Tomb Raider didn't get a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name of the girl who starred in that uh, again? Uh, Vikander. Alicia, yeah, Vikander. Yeah, Alicia Vikander. Um, I wanted it. I, I, did I think it was like magnificent? No, yeah. but I had a lot of fun with that movie. Yeah. And it was based on the new line, this new trilogy of of, of the games. games. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I thought she was a really good Lara Croft. And, and the guy from uh, Vice Principals, Gamby. The guy that says Gamby. All right. <laughs> What's next? I think this is our last one here. Ethan uh, Company Entertainment. Will Shark Tale 2 and Over the Hedge 2 uh, happen? I, I don't remember think so. Over the Hedge. Wait, wait. I think there was an Over the Hedge straight to home video. Yeah, too. was I there? Believe so. I want to believe that. Now, that's the one where William Shatner did the voice of a and hedgehog, a right? Crazy squirrel that was like, could move in lightning, lightning speed. Or something like that, yeah. But I think there was a home video version of that. Could've I wasn't been. sure. And I think there was one before that last one, Jonathan. Uh, Well, did I skip one? Netflix Disgraceful released? Entertainment? Don't. Oh, yeah, somehow I missed that one. Don't let one fight ruin your boxing experience. Oh, no, no, no. Just It, it wasn't one fight. That was the final straw. Yeah. Like, it, that was the final straw. Like, I had spent years being completely there was... uh, over boxing. And, like, I still remember I got to sit, sit down. Uh, one of the greatest highlights of my career, I got to sit down one-on-one -on -one with the great Sugar Ray Leonard. And uh, because he was the... Uh, the uh, combat fight coordinator for the Hugh Jackman film, mm -hmm. uh, Real Steel. So I got to sit down with Sugar Ray Leonard and interview him about that and stuff like that. And like, I remember some of the best arguments I've ever heard about why UFC is better than boxing. Sugar Ray Leonard is the one who gave me those arguments. He's talking about how, yeah, boxing today is just, uh, no, I, I have become disillusioned with boxing for a very long time. There's too many boats. I can't remember yeah. the, the fight. It was a major fight. They sold, millions in, in you know you know uh vod whatever and and the guys were paid regardless of who won and neither of them bar they barely threw a punch and it was so boring and everyone was like what often. the hell was yeah. that to be, to be fair to be fair 
that can happen in UFC as well. I remember uh, Israel Adesanya. He had a he had a title fight against oh what was Yoel uh, Romero? Oh yeah, remember that? That was a boring ass fight, man. That That's was a, a boring ass fight. I want to correct us there was no over the hedge too there was a shark tail too okay. oh that's what i was thinking of that did a straight to home and video, uh right? the guy i was talking about in tomb raider is walter goggins walton walton, walton goggins, goggins. Yeah. sorry uh sorry what? about that yeah i i, I it's, it's a mistake everybody makes all the time Walt. but yeah it wasn't just the one that that was that was one was the final straw for me but that's just me by the way and i'm not trying to crap on anybody else who loves boxing it like if you're like ray and love boxing awesome fantastic <laughs> I just, for me, I had to give up on <laughs> I it. might have to take that back. There was no Shark Tale 2. <laughs> okay, well, that's what we pay you I'm for. I'm almost oh, positive there was like a straight-to-home video. Of <laughs> because one of on IMDb, there's no info. It just says 2021, but no info. So I'm going to take that as me. Okay, I okay. Like, yeah. I thought I remember there being one. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show a part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved here with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, don't forget to come on back and join us again for tomorrow's installment of the John Campy Show podcast, where I will be joined by, of course, Ray Ora. Yep. Jonathan Voico. Later. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.